Welcome back to the Lou Perez podcast with me, Lou Perez. It's our Halloween special that we're celebrating right now. For those of you who have video, you can see that I'm wearing a very interesting costume. And it's so apropos because I have a very interesting guest. Her name is Lenore Skenazy. She's the founder of Let Grow, as well as Free Range Kids. Lenore is awesome. And I had such a great time talking with her. We talked about childhood. We talked about play. We talked about Halloween. We talked about uh, a kid who happens to have a, a real animus against infinity cars. It's uh, a lot of fun, and I hope you enjoy it. And uh, I hope you use this as uh, some motivation to get out there, to go trick-or-treating, to get yourself some candy. You owe yourself some sweets. Go bonkers. All right. Here we go. That was perfect. Thank you. Yeah, the guy who edited said, um, yeah, man, you've been like going from the three, two, one countdown right into your spiel. So he's like, to, to help us out, could you take a beat? So I took a I, moment, maybe a moment of, of contemplation. Reflection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, just throughout the day. <laughs> and percussion as well. Yeah. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, uh, listening to the Lou Perez podcast, I'm so excited to be joined by Lenore Skenazy. Um, She's with Let Grow, and she's also the founder of Free Range Kids. And I just found out she was a journalist for 14 years, and she mm -hmm. wrote for Mad, she wrote for Cracked. Um, and uh, not, she's not a black. Crack, right? Yeah, right, right. She, she, she did not write for Crack. Right. There was a magazine <laughs> called Crack Magazine that, you know, they they could have easily have just, you know, uh, transitioned into a crack dealership. But, you they, know, they had the URL, for God's sake. It was there. <laughs> yeah, it was there for that business oh, decision. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, Lenore, I think um, the last time we spoke, I think it was in a uh, sort of a group of parents Um uh, there was like a, an online sort of, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's all coming back. It's all that crack. <laughs> we were, we spoke in a group of parents. That's now, right. uh, yeah. Yeah. So I was actually at the time a, the only parent to be, um, right. so, so at that time I wasn't, I wasn't a dad, uh -huh. so, but I'm still, I guess it's, I'm technically, I'm still not a dad, because my, uh, my son doesn't speak yet, but, uh, uh, but that, that, but that's where I am. Um, so, uh, how have you been uh, holding up uh, during this whole this whole situation? <laughs> it's great! Wow, this is just the greatest thing that's happened to the world. Don't you have to agree? Um, I've been okay. How are you? Um, I'm surprisingly doing better than I thought I would. Um, we we because you have a baby. Everything seems yeah. hopeful and good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, it's it's funny. I. Um, I got called in to do a an audition for Clorox bleach, right? So I, when I say I got called in, I was asked to submit tape of Clorox okay. bleach of, of a for this audition. And apparently, this is what commercials are doing now. They don't give you any copy. Um, wow. They're looking for real people or actors who could be real people, which is just interesting on its face. The idea. It's really that, interesting, yeah, because everything's if, from home. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, and, and also the whole idea that actors aren't real people, too. you know, <laughs> really? we, we, want, we, we want somebody who's a little chubby or something like that. <laughs> someone who hasn't shaved in a while. And, um, so what they wanted is for you to talk about, there were two questions. They want you to go off the cuff about, um, have you been able to see family during COVID, mm -hmm. uh, the lockdowns and what have are you some been drinking bleach? <laughs> <laughs> have, you been, yeah. uh, have you cured COVID by drinking bleach? Uh, and then the other one was, uh, you know, what are, what are you hoping, uh, or what do you look forward to when, you know, sort of the pandemic is over and, and life is back to normal. And, um, I don't think I got it. I don't think I got the role. Mm. I didn't even, I didn't even get a call back, but mm. I think I gave Clorox some really good, uh, material because I talked about how, um, my wife and I, we had our baby in March, March 26th, the, the height of the insanity. Yeah, really crazy. Wow. In, in New York City. Uh -huh. We were quarantined for so long. Um, we only, I think my parents got to hold my hold our baby maybe maybe three months, uh, you know, into his, mm. his life. And the one uh, wish that I had 
uh, was uh, for things to go back to normal is for my son to be able to go outside and see people without masks on. Mm -hmm. And and the big reason why um, my son is, uh, he's a baby, he's adorable. People love looking at him and they smile. But the thing is he can't see them smiling because the mask is there. So I, you know, so I would love my son to be able to walk out and see firsthand the amount of joy that he's actually bringing to the world. Right, um, right, right. Get the smiles he deserves, right? Yeah. And give the smiles to us. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> exactly. It so, happens soon. So Clorox bleach, look, if you guys end up using my copy, <laughs> and you, if they end up using my copy and they have a guy who looks like me, with a beard, you know, doing this stuff. Yeah, a little younger. Uh, yeah, a little. Yeah, a little. We want someone who's a little younger, more believable, being a, a real person. Um, so being I'm coming you. after you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so you know, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, you know, what, what if anything has anyone measured just the psychological effect of mask wearing? Um, and this is without oh. getting without getting into you know the the science of mask or anything like, but just mm-hmm. what impact is that going to have on on kids. Oh, that's an interesting question. I have no idea, although I do think that kids are incredibly resilient. I was thinking, what if, you know, what if World War One was on the, the, the horizon and there was just a tsunami of articles in Parents Magazine, how to talk to your child about the Archduke of, you know, Archduke Ferdinand, you know, right. you know, 10 tips for getting through a world war, you know, what what is trench warfare and how to explain it to your kids? Because we've just gotten to the point where we think that they have to be talked to about everything. I think that, you know, most kids are going to go through this period and they're going to think back on it the way, you know, our grandparents thought back on, um, you know, the depression. Wow, that was rough, but that was still regular life. And now we're in a different time. I I don't think that the mask wearing is going to have any permanent um, impact on their psyches. That's great. That's great to hear. And actually, another friend of mine um, who has a a son, I think he just turned four, um, she was talking about that resiliency as well. It's just normal. I mean, think about anything that, you know, basically kids think that everything that they're growing up with was normal. I grew up with parents. They never yelled. I had no idea that people yelled, (laughs) you know, I mean, that's, you just, you just take as normal, whatever you're surrounded by. But if you're asking about the impact of, um, you know, the pandemic and, uh, being sent home from school in March and, you know, and then that drifting into summer, um, we did do a study at Let Grow. We interviewed, we did a survey of 800 kids and 800 parents. And then we did it again a couple months later, asking um, some kind of questions that we were curious about. Like uh, we asked the kids, what new thing are you doing now just for fun, not because it's for school? And we got, I thought, fantastic answers. I mean, there are all these kids who are obviously biking and baking, but then there were kids who were really quirky and they were learning about fuses. And one kid was studying 1940s gangsters and they were taking pictures of bugs. And one girl who was eight was getting into Bitcoin. And I don't know if that like, you know, decimated (laughs) the family finances or not, um, depending on what she did. Maybe it was great. Um, But what we were seeing is because kids had all this unprecedented free time, you know, until now, one of the things like Rose been talking about all the time is that kids' time was so structured Mm -hmm. and so supervised and you'd go, you know, you'd wake up at a certain time and you get to school and then after school there's there's piano and chess and soccer and then travel soccer and then, you know, galaxy soccer (laughs) and then there's coming home and there's your dinner and your reading log and your homework and your bedtime more reading and um, there was just so little time for them to figure out anything that they were interested in because they were already, they were, they were slotted. Every moment of the day was pretty uh, spoken for. And so when they suddenly had neither school nor after school activities and their parents were busy on zoom calls or busy trying to find a job or busy weeping, whatever it was, (laughs) they just, they really found themselves in a way that was pretty um, impressive. And I would say psychologically good. And there have been a couple studies that weren't done by us. Um, Since then, there was one in England, and then there was another one that was just a Gene Twangy did it, that found that um, kids were actually less stressed in some ways during COVID than they were during the school year when, as I said, their their lives were very um, regimented and supervised. So is this, do you see this kind of as a a throwback to like the earlier days of, of play? 
Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I see. And by play, I don't just mean, you know, you know, everybody going to the sandlot and playing baseball. It's also play is like figuring out something that's fun for you to do. One, one kid told us that he was so bored because school had ended, but their online school hadn't started yet. So he had like two weeks of literally nothing to do that he picked up his guitar and he started watching YouTube and started learning to play. And he said, the ironic thing is that he actually had two guitars, but he had never wanted to play them because it was always like, shouldn't you be studying guitar? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, it was always from somebody else, from an adult. And when it came from him, and that's what we kept seeing, when the interest came from a kid, that's when they were turned on. And, um, well, you can ask me questions, but I'll tell you a cute story if you want about a teacher who was surprised. Uh, Sure. Yeah. No, I'd I'd love to hear that story. And, you know, something with, um, that I remind myself with with my son is he's six months old. Mm-hmm. Everything is new. Yeah, right. Everything is new to him. Shapes are new to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, colors are new to him. Where you know something as as you know mundane as a cup <laughs> is is suddenly this this incredible gadget. Like it's almost as complicated as as this microphone. Um, right. And. You know, it's it's something where, where as uh, as an adult, I'm 38 years old, and I've, I've uh, as I you know was uh, getting ready to talk to you, I was just trying to think of like, you know, when was the last time that I played? You know, in, mm-hmm. in the way in the way that you're talking, you know, about like uh, discovery. <laughs> You'll never see that that young man going through here. I know he's the he subway got, rider, by the way. He's the one. He, he got rides. really low. He got really low. <laughs> right. That barely barely visible. <laughs> yeah, barely visible. And we we could talk about that um, uh, that too. Uh, but yeah, how about we we hear that uh, that cute story? I'd like to. Well, yeah, and I also want to say that that cup is so fascinating to the kid because he's got to figure out how to deal with it. And you know what, cups are going to play a big role in his life. And he recognizes that he sees people, other people like you and your wife using them all the time. Although it looks like you're still drinking from a bottle there. I guess that's my Baba. Yeah. Yeah, The the people who, uh, who aren't watching the video, I got a adult Baba that I, I put in. um, I've I've been making the mistake of, of uh, drinking pre-workout shakes and not working out. So, so, so they're, they're very um, pre. Yeah, very, very pre. It's, uh, you know, oh, well, maybe a few, a few months from now. Um, so that's what this Baba lo- okay, uh, well, is for. Okay, well, I've mastered an actual cup with a, a giant hole at the top. I don't have to. Look at just, that. Yeah, so watch this. Whoa. Yeah, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't born knowing how to do it. And what your kid is recognizing is the tools of the trade, the things that he's going to be using all his life. And, of course, kids are very much drawn to whatever is out there that, you know, if your kid was in a, you know, hunter gatherer society, he'd be, you know, very fascinated, probably fascinated anyway, by spears Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, arrowheads. And your kid is just going to be glomming onto whatever is around, which is why a lot of kids, of course, are fascinated by tech. That's what we're on all the time. So it's not a weird thing that they would be attracted to it. It's not horrible that they want to play with your phone or your computer. It's everybody wants to use the tools of their society. Anyways, which brings me to this this wonderful teacher who I love, whose name is Gary um, on Long Island. And he had his third grade class do the Let Grow project last year, which I'll tell you all about. It's just the, um, it's a homework assignment. We, we promote it, obviously, because we are Let Grow, but it's free. And the whole idea is that the kids are told the homework assignment is to go home and do something on your own um, without your parents. And you can, you know, you can take a walk, you can make dinner, you can babysit, you can ride your bike, whatever it is. And he had fantastic experience with that. He's totally on board. But then suddenly he's home with his own kids. And his 13-year-old, it's upsetting to him because his 13-year-old is always online and they're trying to shove him outside. And he's sneaking the phone into the bathroom and they can see and they're like, come on, you know, you're supposed to be making the most of this time. This is terrible. And then it turned out that what the kid was doing was sneaking in so that he could put in his headphones and listen to podcasts about cars because that was his absolute interest was cars. And he was particularly interested for some reason, and I don't know why, in in, in slamming the infinity. He just hates infinity cars. And he wanted <laughs> to start a blog about why the infinity car is so terrible. And I have no idea if it is terrible or not. Um, but in any event, 
his his parents were mad until like we started talking about it. And Gary, here he is on board. Children have other interests besides school. They should be developing them. It's great for kids to do things on their own. It's like, what do you think your kid is doing, Gary? He is doing research on his own. He is finding things to listen to. He is absorbing information. He's figuring out how to make a website. He's writing. These are all skills that if they were in your classroom, you would be saying, this is great. We're going to learn how to write well. We're going to learn how to synthesize the information that we get from many sources and pull it together. That's what he's doing only because he's interested in cars. And so it's really hard to recognize what kids are doing when they're learning um, because we're so used to thinking of learning as what goes on in the classroom and that kids are generally bored when doing it or recalcitrant and they're going to be graded and it's a big deal and it's homework and so much is riding on it. But what your kid is doing at age six months is what Gary's kid was doing at age 13 years, which is looking around, finding something fascinating and learning about it. That is education. And we're seeing a whole lot of that education, particularly during COVID, because the kids have the free time to figure out what does interest them. Yeah. And I just want to point out uh, if Infinity is interested in sponsoring the show. <laughs> we then, will take that part out. Yeah, we, yeah we, will, we, will, we will cut that out. Or I will actually go to Gary's house and have words with his son. I, will, I don't know what they drive, but I will take a baseball bat to anything on four wheels in their driveway if it isn't an infinity car. There um, you go. Yeah, that, that's... Uh, th- You're that, looking for work, Lou? Am I, <laughs> am, I, am I reading between the lines here? <laughs> I'm looking for some odd jobs if anybody, yeah, really. uh, if anybody could help me out on that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're, we're in Brooklyn, and um, uh, fortunately, we're, we're actually by some, some parks. And uh, there, was something that, there was something that happened a little while ago talking about uh, you know, play. Uh, we, were, we were in the park, the three of us, and there was one – there was a kid – named Sammy. And mm, they're all we, named we, Sammy. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we weren't introduced to this kid, but we, we found out his name because his mother kept yelling <laughs> Sammy because, because his mother had a problem with every single thing that Sammy was doing, right? And Sammy, maybe, I mean, maybe he was three years old or something like that. And Sammy was holding a, a baseball bat and um, he was... Uh, it was like a baseball bat and there, I think he had like maybe a soccer ball or something like that. And he was developing sort of a game on his own Mm. where he was, where he was combining the baseball bat and the soccer ball. How fantastic. Yes. Yeah. But not to his mother. No, no, no. His mother got very upset and said, Sammy, that's a baseball bat. You have to play baseball. Right. (sighs) And, and, and here's the kicker, right? So um, he, she positions him as if he's at bat. Right. As if he's about to take a pitch. And she has his hands the wrong way on the bat. Right. And so she doesn't even know how you're supposed to hold a baseball bat if you actually want to play baseball. And yet she's yelling at her son. And the whole time I'm just thinking to myself, let this friggin kid play. Let him figure this out. Let him invent something. Let him do whatever he wants with the bat outside of, you know, hitting somebody with it. And, and it's like, uh, and, and it, it seems like such an easy thing for a parent just to, I'm just going to step back and, and, and let him do his thing. But yet she was, you know, she in couldn't. his face about it. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the reasons I think childhood is so weird today is that we are around our kids so much. I mean, that seems to be kind of new. I have a feeling Lou, that when you were growing up, your mom wasn't with you all the time that you were playing, correct? Right. Oh, yeah. Right on. Right. So I feel like when parents are there, a couple of things happen. One is, of course, they can pay so much attention to the kid that the kid never realizes like what it requires to get somebody real to pay attention to him or want to play with him. And so that's bad because when kids are playing with each other, you sort of learn how to get along and how to read a person well enough to have them want to play with you. You're not so boring or so domineering or cheating all the time to the point where nobody wants to play with you. So play actually is really good practice. It's not even practice. It really is a way to learn how to um, get along, get along in a group, make decisions, make something happen. But the other thing, when parents are with their kids all the time, um, they, they know that they know more than the kid you're doing. Well, except for this mom who had no clue, but, but they do know like, 
how to cross the street better, how to share better, how to, you know, organize boy, girl, boy, girl better, whatever it is. And so they feel compelled to do it because the kids are such morons, they're not going to do it themselves. And, and of course, by the time a parent is doing it, then the kids aren't learning how to do it. So part of the problem today is just this mandate that we think is real of that we have to be with our kids all the time because that way we're keeping them safe and we're, we're giving them our expertise and we're helping them so much. And actually what we're doing is I'd say a little stunting mm -hmm. because that kid now isn't making up a game, right? He's not making a friend. His mom has just inserted herself into his social circles, <laughs> right? So he's not befriending your kid or any of the other kids. So um, I, I don't blame parents for being with kids all the time because I feel like it's a message that we've gotten from a crazy society that insists on, you know, fantasizing that all children are in danger all the time unless a mom or dad is there. But I am trying to make it normal again to give kids what you had and certainly what I had, which is some free, unsupervised time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, right on. Um one of the 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 last night this is i don't know if this is sort of uh uh just the perfect example of the times that we live in but yeah. uh, uh we we do bath time around 6:30 and the little guy is put to bed around 7 around uh, 7 p.m. great so nice and yeah. early great i know so we put him out, we put him to bed and my wife and i were on we're on the couch and she discovered this app called like baby maker or something like that. Now, now, yeah, now I, think you're, I, think, I think you come equipped with that app. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a proven product. Right. Right. Uh, um, so yeah, it, it, it's not an app where like, you know, you plan out your cycle or anything like that. What, what it is, is um, you take a picture of the, of the husband and you take a picture of the wife. Oh, and, and then it mashes them up. And then it mashes it up and we're doing this. And we just called out how ridiculous it was because we already have what the baby would look like. <laughs> He's sleeping right now. We could go you in there. You probably have a picture on your phone. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we have at least one picture of this kid uh, every five minutes uh, of, of the life. Um, and it, yeah, it was sort of, um, I don't know if, if we had a little, little, too much, uh, a little too much free time, but we actually went on, a, uh, we took a little family vacation to Portland, Maine. Oh, uh, I was, love that time. It was our first time there. It was fantastic. We we ate lobster multiple times a day, mm -hmm. um, but the one, but the one thing we didn't we didn't factor in was the fact that little guy goes to sleep at seven p.m. So now mommy and daddy are stuck in the hotel room at seven p.m. Um, so, but we made um, we made uh, we made do. We we you know watched this really this fun documentary uh, with a terrible title called uh, My Teacher the Octopus. Have you seen that on Netflix? <laughs> no. It's a, it's a it's a, a, a documentary filmmaker uh, in Australia, I believe. Is it Australia or New Zealand? Um, he if it's Tasmania. Up, yeah, yeah. Well, one, <laughs> of the, one of those places. Uh, he ends up having a a relationship, a friendship with a female um, uh, a female octopus, and it, it's not sexual or anything like that. I don't think they, he had enough time. Uh, because uh, apparently, I'd like to see that baby maker app. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's just the, the tentacles going. Right, only four. Yeah. But but apparently the, the octopus uh, only only lives for a year, and I, I didn't know that. But Ooh. Um, uh, but it, it, you haven't seen I, I, no spoilers or anything like that. But uh, if you want to talk about an animal, a wild animal that uses play <gasps> and discovery and oh, wow. adaptation, very. Um, very swiftly, if you actually think about it. I mean, the lifespan is only a year. Wait, their normal lifespan is a year? It's not like this one died prematurely? Yeah. Uh, apparently, the normal lifespan is, is about a year. Um, okay. And it was really incredible just seeing that in the animal kingdom. Wow. Um, at, how, how play is also a form of, of adaptation. You know? Wow. So I'm going to start regaling you with play stuff if I can. But I just wrote oh, down yeah, my, my, my teacher, the actor, because that sounds great. Except if it's really, really sad at the end when the... Uh, no, I think there's something, uh, you know, obviously it's going to end with, you know, the death of, of, of the octopus, mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. um, th there's uh, so much mystery there and so much wonder, mm -hmm. um, and you come away with it, you know, knowing a lot more about not, not only this animal, but also this relationship, this bond that can form between human beings and animals. So I, I thought it was great. I thought it was a really great thing. I, the, again, the title though. 
No, like I like future. that. It's, you it's, like this? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's very intriguing. The, the, fo- the follow-up will be my substitute teacher, the octopus. <laughs> right, the <something>. centipede. Yeah, <laughs> right, the, ca- right. the calamari. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> my, centi- my, my substitute, the appetizer. Um, <laughs> so so here's the deal. Um, one of the f- co-founders with me of Let Grow is a guy named Peter Gray. And before your child gets another day older, I'd say go read his book, which is okay. called Free to Learn. He's a psychology professor from Boston College. He wrote the big psychology textbook that's used all across America, seventh edition, blah, blah, blah. But his real interest is play and especially mixed age play. But anyways, he points out that all animals play. You know, it's not just the mm-hmm. octopus. It's not just your kid. Um, uh, you know, hippopotami do backflips in the water just for fun. And supposedly, I've never seen this myself, but ravens fly to the top of a of a hill, like a snowy hill, and they fly down on their backs. And ants supposedly play fight, which I'm happy that's not my research <laughs> field. But um, but the example that he likes to give is that um, gazelles, when they're very young, they, they play in a way that's sort of familiar to us. They like, they, they chase each other. It looks a lot like tag, you know, one will chase the other and then it'll turn around and one will chase the other one. And, um, and Peter asks why, uh, considering that this is really kind of dumb from an evolutionary perspective in that a, they're wasting all their energy, not making anything or, you know, not, not gathering any food, which means that they're going to have to gather more food later and eat whatever it is, more of it, because they've just used up all these calories. And B, dot lions, right? Yeah. Here they are. They're, they're chasing each other. They're like, look at me, look at me. I'm looking at you. My name is Scar. And so um, <laughs> I can't even do that accent. My name is Scar. But anyways, so why are they doing that? Um, why don't they just sit by their mother gazelle and, you know, read educational <laughs> books and um, grow up and then start their lives? And um, he points out that it, it's because it must be because free play is even more important for the future of the species and for evolution than just playing it safe. And what they are learning, of course, is to, you know, run away from predators and to find their food or whatever. And, so play is the way that Mother Nature installed um, sort of operating instructions for us to start learning about how to deal with the world. And of all the animals on Earth, humans play for the longest period of time. I mean, we start, you know, from, from your kid, you know, six months on up through adolescence, kids are always playing and goofing around. And I'd say we're sort of playing now and that we're having fun. Yeah. And um, the reason is that that's how you learn how to do all the things you're going to have to do. Aside from getting along, you have to figure out how to compromise. If I'm playing, you know, if I want to play with you and we both want to be the dog, okay, I'll be the cat and then we'll switch, right? Or I'll be the octopus and you'll be the human and I'll die and then we'll switch. So <laughs> you're learning how to, um, to get buy-in from the other kids so that they'll play with you. And if you're such a jerk that nobody wants to play with you, you're learning to modify your behavior. I mean, one of the reasons that I sometimes think like, you know, everyone's so obsessed by bullying these days is because it is harder to learn how to um, not be a bully, you know, harder to pull yourself together because your teacher says, don't be a bully than it is to pull yourself together because you want to be included in that basketball game. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that's it. You just can't take free play out of kids' lives and replace it with organized activities because once again, that's when somebody else is deciding whether the ball was in or out and who's on which team and whose turn it is to, to bat. And so um, the whole idea of the octopi playing around, it's the, all species are learning how to do that. And the way my friend Penny Wilson describes it, and you might appreciate this or not, is that she says fun is the orgasm of play. <laughs> and, and what she meant by that is that there's this drive to play because you're gonna have fun. But in the meantime, you have to decide the rules. You have to hold yourself together. You have to you know, content yourself if everybody decides that you're, you know, you're gonna be last or whatever. And there's all these difficult hoops you had and, and I guess behaviors you have to in, internalize before you get to finally play the game. Think how many times you hear kids arguing before they finally play the game or while they're playing the game so that they can get to the next part, so they can get to the fun. And, and she says, she, she makes the analogy of an orgasm because it's sort of like this is the other drive that humans have, that, put, or that all species have, that push them <clears throat> along the, uh, the chain of life. 
they learn how to play and then they they procreate and you need both of those because if you don't learn how to play your chances of later on having somebody want to procreate with you are are slimmer right right and is there um uh, noticeable differences uh, between the way boys play and, and girls play? I, th- I think it's sort of a leading I question. Think so, yeah. I, I think I, I've noticed it. Like, I'm, I, I came from a household with um, a mom, a dad, and five boys all together. Oh, wow. That sounds so um, fun. Yeah. And, and my dad, um, you know, is one of those uh, dads from like the 80s and 90s who had the camcorder and would, you know, videotape. Uh, Christmases and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Well, we actually we we lived in a in a, a three bedroom apartment, and uh, none of us slept in our in our bedrooms. We all slept in the living room. Like all the boys, like, we, like like well, at least me and my two younger brothers like would camp out oh, in the living wow. room uh, every fun. night, like wild men. I think I think our backs are going to be okay from just sleeping on the hard <laughs> you know carpeted floor. Uh, and uh, j- just a little knock on my dad uh, because. Uh, uh, because this is my podcast and I can knock them a little bit. There you go. Uh, one of the walls that we had in our apartment in the living room was mirror from floor to ceiling. So my dad thought that the best way to capture our our Christmas uh, Christmas mornings mm-hmm. would be to set the camera up so he records the reflection in the mirror and captures us. Okay. Okay, and it, it didn't work. It, it didn't work. Like, like th- there's something off about uh, about those those videos. But you know, here I am now. I make now I make videos and movies, Dad. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do it the right way. But uh, in those uh, you know in those um, in those videos, what he captures are three little maniacs. <laughs> my my me and my two younger brothers. My older brothers are are like twelve and eight years uh, older than I am. Oh, but wow. me and my younger brothers were. Like like chimpanzees, like monkeys, mm-hmm. we would punch each other and 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 be wild and scream and 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 do all that. I'm not necessarily saying that that punching each other is the is the way to go, um, but there, but it's very different from what I what I see now. Yeah, yeah. Kids. A, I have one sister. Zero punching ever. I don't think I've ever been punched in my life. Punching sounds like a three. You actually sound like the Three Stooges. <laughs> You and your two brothers, and um, and you can always tell um, a person's genetic makeup, uh, like whether they have a Y chromosome and whether they think the Three Stooges is the worst thing ever or hysterically funny. So <laughs> um, I have two sons and a husband; they all love the Three Stooges. So yeah, there's I think there is something you know often very different about the way um, the two genders play. Um, I I didn't do any of the rough and tumble stuff, but uh, rough and tumble is actually quite good. I mean. It's there's something weird about boys. It seems to me that it's not necessarily resented and it almost seems to be a bonding thing, which as a girl doesn't make any sense. But I've seen it enough that I sort of have to believe it. You know, I was uh, I like growing up, I really wasn't that big of a fan of uh, the rough and tumble stuff as 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 far as I as as far as I remember it. You know, I Mm -hmm. I mean, we would play tackle football and stuff like that. So maybe there was a an element of Mm -hmm. of it there. Mm -hmm. But there was a there was a period of maybe like I don't know, fifteen years, like when I went to high school, where I was just like, dude, don't even like I don't want to be touched. Get get away from me. And it wasn't until I think I was around like close to thirty years old when I started uh, training Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, which is, mm-hmm. which is all grappling, which is all rough and tumble, which is all wrestling. And, Isn't that and the choking so, thing? Or? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A, lot of, a lot of choking. So you're, choking. you're basically um, you know, attempting to choke your <laughs> partner or, or uh, break your partner's limb. You nice. don't go all the way because you're able to, um, you tap out uh, beforehand. So those are the rules of the game, right? Mm-hmm. And I gotta tell you, like, it, I f- when 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 I would roll, that's what they you know what they call it. There's an element there where you feel like a you feel like a kid. Wow. There's an element there where where a, if your partner does get you in a move that is a very painful move and you tap out afterwards, you're like, whoa, man, that was awesome. Wow, <gasps> how'd you do that? Really? Yeah, and and I would love um, uh, th- there are you know different belts you know like in like in different martial arts, and uh, I have the the. I've had the privilege of rolling with with black belts, which are you know um, at the pretty top. damn good, yeah. Oh yeah, pretty damn good. And the ease that they can just throw you around, and even and even put you in positions that would be a life ending, but do it so smoothly, and it's almost like you're you're light as a feather, and it, and it's it's uh, it's pretty incredible. But you don't get to that point 
without you know sort of walking through the fire and getting your your ass handed to you um, mm-hmm. quite a bit. And then that's actually something that I do miss um, with, oh, yeah. with with COVID. Yeah. Um, there, um, I, I know that there are schools out there where where people are training and and there are you know, certain, uh, I guess, you know, sign offs and stuff like that, where, you know, people are allowed legally to, you know, to, to train people. But yeah, I guess um, I, I don't know when I'll, you know, feel totally comfortable about going back and uh, basically uh, hugging other sweaty men mm-hmm. for, you know, five minute rounds. Uh, <laughs> you know, is that what it, is, it, is it five minutes? Like, does it stop after five minutes? If Oh, well, uh, well, a lot of the classes would be you'd sort of drill new moves, right? So there'd be like uh, uh, warm ups, then you'd, you'd drill some moves. And then at the end of it would be uh, you'd be rolling. So mm-hmm. uh, for some schools, um, you know, five minutes would be a regular round. Other schools, eight minutes Ooh. would be a regular round. And I mean, it's, it's just an incredible incredible workout and uh it also it also really puts into perspective what strength is because you could be somebody who is incredibly strong when it comes to picking up weights but then you go against somebody who their strength might be their squeeze or or something like that and you're like whoa you know it's uh um so so that that's a kind of uh, some play that i i'd like to get back to at, at, at some point oh i hope it's soon that sounds great yeah Weirdly um, great. <laughs> weirdly great. Oh, and and it's something where uh, jujitsu is something. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter your 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 sex. Women, there are amazing women uh, jujitsu uh, practitioners out there. Um, and it's something. Uh, at least when I got into it, I'm like, damn, I wish I'd started this when I was a kid. Mm. But but I wasn't that kid. I wasn't that that guy. Um, at the time, and actually, I might, might use this as a, as a way to sort of transition into, you know, my my son's six months old, and we're very happy that he's a very smiley boy. Oh, that is he, great! You know, and we've met other uh, uh, there there are some uh, other kids in our in our building that are about the same age, and they they look like pissed off <laughs> old men. You know, like gulag. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. The the uh, the last of the kulaks. Um, <laughs> You know, who have watched their farms be taken by the Soviets, <laughs> um, and so we're, I'm really fortunate. I think we're fortunate that he's a happy baby. He's a chill baby, and mm-hmm. uh, that's uh, great, and, and all that. But you know, part of me, I'm, I'm like, man, I, uh, I hope that he's that he doesn't get all of me um, because I was, I, 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 I was sort of a melancholic child, I think, mm. uh, uh, in a way, and a sensitive child, and where things would, would hurt me and really just go to the core of me. And um, how could, you know, how can so-and-so say that to me? I thought he loved me. I thought we were best friends. And, you know, that that sort of element. And while, you know, while having that has gotten me to where I am today and yeah. you know, there are things to be to be happy about, um, I know how much You'd it hurts. You'd rather just be happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know how much it hurts. So, I, you know, yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm and, and, you know, we're sort of, I'm looking at him and I'm like, man, what what do I need for this recipe? What, what's the formula to make sure that that you know he's a he's a happy boy? And, the formula. And yeah, what's the formula? The formula is called. It starts with an L. It ends with a K. It's called luck. Um, <laughs> right. Go get some. You're gonna need it. Uh, if there was a formula, somebody once pointed out. You know, you go to the the, the store, or the bookstore, or we used to, or you go to Amazon, and there's. There are a million books about how to raise your kids. And if anybody knew, there'd just be one, (laughs) right? And it would be called The Book You Need. And everybody would say, oh, this one worked. My kid is happy, well-adjusted, productive, hardworking, um, intelligent, and kind. And you're like, okay, I'll take that one. Mm -hmm. Um, But as you'll see, if you baby make again, uh, you're going to have two totally different kids. And it's not because you're a totally different parent. It's not because you're in a totally different part of the world. It's, it's just the luck of the draw. And I think um, one of the reasons that we are driven so crazy as parents is because of this really um, hubristic and also burdensome idea that we can make our kids into happy, well-adjusted um, wonderkins who also get into Stanford or not. And there's this burden. I mean, if you read some of these parenting books, actually, I brought... I meant to find the exact pages of these parents' magazines that were driving me crazy recently, but there was this one. It was Rays of Reader. Um, 
raise there a reader. Is, raise a reader. You know what? I raised two kids and one uh, sort of writes for a living and one hasn't. <laughs> I actually took him to a to meet the guy who'd written the sports gene, Gene um, David Epstein. And he, he went up to Gene, uh, to David, and he said, guess, oh, I love you. That's the only book I ever read. <laughs> I'm like, eh, but it's true. So, so how do you raise a reader? I don't know, because I raised one and not another. But these, these magazines give you advice that could drive you absolutely crazy. I'm looking for the page. I can't find it, but I'll tell you about it. It was, it's like, how do you raise a reader? Well, children may be attracted to the pictures in their picture books, but that's terrible, you know, because then they're not learning about reading and only about 6% of the page is devoted to words. And you got to focus on that and start getting them to understand that this is a word and this is the title. And then here's a great idea. Really, one of these recent parents magazines said, um, when you're reading the title, why not count the letters in the words? And I'm like, ugh. yeah, ugh, ugh, ugh. Let's do it one more time. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> right? Because it has taken something that is often enjoyable. Maybe kids don't like reading themselves, but they do love being read to. Um, not that I read to my kids all the time, not that my mom read to me, but they like stories. But if you yeah. start turning the story into this horrible didactic lesson where now, oh, don't just look at the picture of the fox. There's the word, fox, F-O-X. X is a rarely used letter. If we play Scrabble, <laughs> you'll get eight points. F is more common. How many letters are in fox? F-O-X, that's three letters, but maybe it sounds like F-O-C-K-S, which would be five letters. You know, it's like you've taken anything normal out of that experience and you've turned it into the world's worst classroom lesson. Right. And one of the things that's so interesting to me is that it, it, uh, there's this guy named David Lancey, who is an anthropologist of childhood. And he points out that school is pretty recent. I mean, most people didn't go to school until maybe 200 years ago or 150 years ago, sort of in the Industrial Revolution. And, and, and ever since then, we keep getting more and more enamored of the idea of the classroom being a way and a teacher being a way that children learn, which it is. It's a way that kids learn some things, but it's not the only way kids learn. But because, it, because it's official learning, now parents are starting to feel like they have to be teachers at home. I mean, mm -hmm. why else would you be reading, you know, counting the number of letters in a, in a picture book? that you're reading to your kid, unless you thought that I'm the teacher, I better be helping him with his numbers as well as his letters. It's like, no, you're the parent. You can relate right. to him, you feed him, you discipline him, um, and, and you let him have some free time. And, and that's it. We don't have to make the, the idea that every moment is this teachable moment. And that if you're wasting the time by just hanging out and, you know, looking at the pictures, well, and your kid's going to fall behind because you're not making it into a bigger lesson. That's, that's a new thought and it's a huge burden on parents and it doesn't work and it's a drag. So try to ignore advice that sounds hard because you usually don't need it. <laughs> right. My, um, you, you know, you were talking about, you know, sort of uh, school being a, a fairly new thing. My, my dad is from, is from Argentina and he's from a, a San Miguel de Tucumán, it's called. It's a, a state in sort of like the, the Northwest. And when my dad was eight years old, um, his father passed away. He died of, oh. um, I think it was throat cancer or something like that. So my dad basically grew up without, without a father. And my grandmother had, was left with like all these, you know, all these kids. So my dad and, and his, his brothers would, would work. So my dad was, I think, seven, you know, maybe six, seven, eight years old uh, with a horse and buggy. Wow. Going around, you know, going around, and I think one of their one of the things that they sold were seltzer. Uh, oh, you're uh, kidding! Or, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he'd be going around the streets of you know Tucuman. Um, this you know little little boy. I can only imagine what he you know what he looked like selling seltzer. Uh, and he told me this really funny thing where he said, um, in Argentina you have kind of like uh, uh, where he's from is sort of a very kind of a small city, and then you have country people. And he, uh, I think he described some of the country people as, as not being very good. They, they couldn't really do like um, addition the long ways, like adding up multiple okay. things. Mm -hmm. So even as a kid, he used to use that for his advantage and screw them over. Nice. Um, and it, wait, hold on. I got to go and edit that. Not even, <laughs> as a, not even as a kid. As a kid. My dad doesn't screw people over uh, like that. But I, for me, it's, it's such a – my dad, it's such a delicious history because um, he's in his seventies, but he's not like uh, he's not ancient. Mm -hmm. But yet, there was a part of the world 
where it was normal for kids to yeah. work like that and then also to have these interesting, almost comical interactions um, and get one over on the adults. Um, uh, so, yeah. What's interesting to me is that it feels like it's from another planet yes. uh, to a certain extent. I mean, there are, you know, seven-year-olds who aren't allowed to do anything. You know, there's, there's I, one of the things I work on is trying to change laws and practices. And there was a, a mom in Kentucky who was saying that her, do- her, her son wasn't allowed to walk home from the bus stop, the two blocks, um, because the school uh, insists that an adult be there to walk them home. And not only is that a burden for any mom who has to quit her job so she can stand at the bus stop and walk her kid home, but what a an undermining of the human spirit. Not that I want all seven-year-olds to be um, selling seltzer in the streets and screwing over their customers, <laughs> but I think the fact that your dad could handle that shows that we are vastly underestimating any kind of moxie that kids have while, and also treating them like everything has to be this lesson taught by us. Everything is academic. It's like yeah. there's so much that he learned, obviously, from being responsible. And also, I mean, to a certain extent, I, I mourn for, my kids didn't have this either, almost a chance to be so important to their family. Mm. I mean, you know, this is not a kid wondering like, who am I? I'm just a jerk. I'm a nobody. It's like, no, by, you know, bringing home that $5 a week, you're helping, you know, put food on the table. And that's a very, it's tragic in one way that a kid has to, you know, leave school and, and work so hard. And it's ennobling in that he is, he is an important human being um, with responsibility and joy, you know, the joy of helping out and not just being somebody who's given everything. Yeah. My, my dad, um, he, he's a butcher and we have a, a family oh, yeah? But- yeah, we have a family butcher shop in, uh, in Spanish Where? Harlem, uh, up in Spanish Harlem, uh, Casablanca meat market, uh, 110th between park and Lex and they're open. Ladies and gentlemen, they, uh, Casablanca Meat Market and Infinity will be sponsoring uh, this uh, <laughs> this episode. Right, um, and Clorox. Wait, is it yeah. near? Um, isn't there a museum of salsa right there? Oh, there might be. Yeah, because yeah. uh, it's a, it's the barrio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so when when we were when we were growing up, we would you know go and go and work there every now you know every now and then. And looking back, like man, I wish that I had embraced that more. Uh, especially as a, as a, you know, I think before I hit my teens, like I wish I'd, I'd gone there more and, and worked. Um, cause I think not, not only, you know, I think definitely the stories that you could tell, um, there's, there's something that I, uh, w- when I walk by say a restaurant or even like the meat packing district, there's that smell of, <laughs> takes you of, back. of meat that it like, like, almost like a putrid smell of meat yeah. that takes me back. And I'm, I absolutely love it. And it's sort of, I'm back at my, uh, at my family's uh, butcher shop. But then also just thinking about it now, like um, the butchers, you know, they obviously get paid, you know, a wage, but, but they get tips and, mm. you know, and what a, what an amazing way to increase your tips than have three little little kids in the background helping to ground you you know make ground beef and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that like like we were a boon for the workers right. there you know right. we could you were we, like th- dressing on the set <laughs> yeah yeah we were helping out um, as, as far as uh, you know contributing to the to the family and, and stuff we, uh, we we we've made it a point not to post pictures of of our our son online mm-hmm. um we my, my wife and i were both uh we're both online for different reasons i do comedy um she does uh, uh, uh kind of uh, uh exercise and personal training and and, and that oh my sort God, of stuff she must be in fantastic shape wow she, she looks great you mm-hmm. w- wouldn't believe but i'll it. never see her oh no i'll see her you'll see her yeah okay yeah um you know so so we you know we're public figures you know if you will and you know, we really wanted our son to have the choice on whether or not he wanted to be a public figure. Um, the thing that makes it tough is that he's so adorable. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, so we take a ton of pictures and we share it with, um, you know, friends like yourself. And, and also, I want to see. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I got to I got to send you I got to send and you I promise updates. not to post it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I got to send you updates. Um, so, you know, I wonder, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's a it's a it's a thing where 
uh, it's like, oh, it would be so easy to sort of exploit my cute child <laughs> and like, you know, put, try to get them in a, you know, Gerber commercial and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I just want people to know, like, uh, people listening, you haven't seen my kid. And I know that, that, you know, parents always think that their kid's cute and all like that. That's not the case here. Our son is objectively cute. Right. We get stopped on the street. We have people like, oh my God, look at that baby. That baby's so cute. We have other parents with kids who, who wish like, that they had your baby. Yeah. 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 You know, to the point where I'm, I, you know, I walk around like I'm a, you know, a Clydesdale, you know, where it's, you know, I see, I see other people, I see other parents in the park and I'm like, mm-hmm. you chose wrong, honey. Yeah. You could have, you know, right. you could have. You? If you'd used that app, you would have known ahead of time. <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, but I don't know if you, if you have any, you know, thoughts on, on, on that. Oh, stuff. on posting pictures? Um, no, I, I, I don't worry too much about it. I feel like everything is out there. Everything is known by us. Uh, by the world, by, I just, I just downloaded an app today to, to see um, where planes are coming in. Cause I live near LaGuardia and you can actually find out what the planes are above you. And it's like, you know, find out your address and your blood type and your husband's mm. name and what's in your refrigerator. So we can show you these. I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, even though I realize that's bad, but you know, in the heat of the moment, I want to see the planes. You just press yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, th- they're tracking your son, even without your having pictures of him. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, um, it's funny. There, there are some days where, um, he looked just like me as a, as a little kid, except with blonde hair and blue eyes. Oh my God. That's too weird. <laughs> it's, it, yeah. It's, it, it was really weird. It was almost like, um, my, you know, my jeans and my wife's jeans, like my wife's jeans just kind of trimmed the fat, like just <laughs> trimmed all the excess, unnecessary. No beard. You know, yeah, no beard or anything <laughs> like that. Literally trimmed the beard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just sort of like, oh, this is what, you know, if uh, if I were a, a perfect human being, this is what I would have I would have looked like. If we were in like, you know, uh, if someone was fiddling with the DNA and all that. Wow. So. Well, actually, I have seen a picture and he is extremely adorable. So I have to um, I have to second that. He's, he's, he's damn cute. Thank you. This uh, this episode uh, is sponsored by Let Grow Free Range Kids. <laughs> yes, right, right, right. Infinity and the Casablanca Meat Market. Hmm. Right. Uh, so, um, um, before we uh, before we go, um, what are some um, new things that that you're working on? Because uh, it seems like you've been really busy. Yeah. So, first of all, uh, with distance learning, normally we do hmm. a lot of our stuff through schools. Um, this is a strange year. And so instead of having our Let Grow project where the teachers send the kids home with this assignment to do something on their own, we also have a Let Grow Independence Kit, which is the same thing. It's just for home use. And it explains to parents that there's really some enormous advantages to just letting your kids do some things on their own, even if they spill, even if they goof up, even if they're, you know, uh, whatever. There's, there's always something good about a kid recognizing that they don't need you for, um, you know, to help with everything. So we recommend the Let Grow Project or the Let Grow Independence Kit. And then um, just as COVID hit, we, we, there was a law passed in Utah two years ago called the Free Range Parenting Law, which said it's not neglect to let your kid play outside, walk home from school, come inside with a latch key, or wait briefly in a car under some circumstances. And this was the first one in the country, and it got enormous publicity. And then um, we realized, well, there's 49 states to go. And so we started working on, now we call them a reasonable childhood independence law. But we're trying to get these passed in a bunch of states because we just don't want parents to have to second guess. You know, I think my six-year-old is ready to sell seltzer. (laughs) You know, (laughs) shouldn't that be up to me? And I'm just going to give him a horse and a cart. Um, Or I think my seven-year-old can walk to the playground. Or I think my nine-year-old can um, play after school in the park before he comes home. These things should be up to parents. I mean, they're not neglect. It's a decision to give kids some independence. Or sometimes a parent is so busy working, say say you don't have a lot of money and you're working two jobs. You want your kid to be able to come home with a latch key, get themselves a snack, do their homework, watch TV, and nobody to consider that neglect. And so um, Colorado had um, passed a law like that, the Reasonable Independence Act, in their house. And it was passed with a Democrat and a Republican sponsoring it black and white, Democrat, Republican. It passed unanimously in the House. It was two days away from being heard in the Senate. 
when COVID shut down the entire Colorado state legislature. That was very painful. And something very similar happened in in South Carolina. It had passed the, um, the Senate, but not the House. And so what we're trying to do now is get some more states on board um, with passing this law because it just it, it, it leaves CPS, Child Protective Services, free to go after what they should be going after, which is children who really are in danger and children who yeah. really are neglected. But just seeing a kid walking home from school shouldn't be a trigger that says, oh, my God, that must be a horrible family. You need it. You need a higher bar before Child Protective Services or or even the cops should get involved. So we have um, about six states that we're working with today. We had a wonderful call with um, people in Idaho. Uh, If you live in Idaho and you've been visited by Child Protective Services for any crazy reason, please write to me at Lenore at letgrow, L-E-T-G-R-O-W dot org. Um, And then we're just trying to, to reassure parents that even though their kids are going through this weird time, like we started out talking about, kids are resilient. Uh, Free time is actually good for them. They're learning in ways that might not be obvious to you, just like Gary didn't realize that his kid was learning almost everything you'd want him to learn at school by trying to do this um, podcast about infinity or podcast or blog post or whatever he was trying to do. So just trying to um, help parents uh, relax and recognize that um, the the idea that things have to be perfect has, nothing has ever been perfect since the beginning of time and children certainly don't need that. And they certainly don't need perfect parents. So um, good luck on your journey and let grow. Uh, there we go. I think, um, I think that's a, a good place uh, to stop. And um, for anyone, anyone listening, uh, and this is your first time experiencing uh, Lenore, uh, uh, she is so much fun always. And this is, it, it always. It, no, <laughs> more it, fun it's always, usually is what he's trying yeah. to say. Way more fun <laughs> than I've been today no. as we've been <laughs> contemplating COVID and masks and depression no, and kids it, fighting with each other and growing and growing up to choke each other. Yeah. <laughs> a lot more fun usually. <laughs> you no, know, you're, you're always, you're always a blast and it's always a, uh, a reminder that, you know, I'm, I'm just happy that, that, um, that you're out there. Lecro is out there. Free range kids is out there. Um, because the fact that we have to be reminded about how important this stuff is and how freeing uh, it is is uh, is wild. And um, I'm not sure. Uh, um, uh, I haven't picked a date yet of when I'm going to be dropping this. Uh, this, but um, we are re- recording this a couple of weeks out from uh, from Halloween. Um, oh yeah. And, and are there uh, what, what's going on with with Halloween? Will it be, will we be able to celebrate it the way we uh, normally do? Well, that's a sort of loaded question and that I think that we've been celebrating Halloween with increasing trepidation over the last generation and it's sort of lost a lot of its fun um, from what I can see in that so many parents are driving their kids from house to house or going with them. And to me, Halloween was always like the one night of the year, for God's sake, one measly night of the year when kids get to dress up like they're going to work or, you know, like they're, they're, they are, they're going to work. They're going to, they got to do cold calls. They got to get, <laughs> and they got to make the sale. They got to get the candy. Right. And so what they had to do for that was be brave, you know, knock on doors of people they don't know, be out in the dark, um, you know, hustle a little bit. Right. And so to me, Halloween was always this fantastic, if only one day of the year that parents were really had to go free range. Right. And then we've just been, we've been, uh, you know, dialing it back so much that a lot of places will only do a, tr- a trunk or treat. Do you know what trunk or treat is? No, what is that? Trunk or treat um, is billed as a safe alternative to trick or treating, as if trick or treating is not safe, which actually it is. So <laughs> that's my objection to begin with. But then, and I don't even mind trunk or treat if it's in addition to trick or treating, but trunk or treat is when a bunch of cars get together in a parking lot of a church, a community center. I don't know, school, and they they make a big circle with the trunks facing in, which to me is the hardest part. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my God, I'm so happy I never had to do that because that seems like you'd have to maneuver it backwards. Anyways, then you open up the trunk and you decorate it in a festive way, and then you fill it with candy, and then kids just go kerplunk, 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 kerplunk around in a circle, and they get the candy, and that should be enough. And it's it's disturbing to me in, in several ways. One is I don't think we should be teaching our kids to go to people's cars when they say, I've got candy. Come look at my trunk. Right? For decades, we've been saying the exact right, opposite. Right, right, yeah. right, right. It's really off message. And it's, a tri- it's safer <laughs> than going to people's houses. Um, two, it really strikes me as the most 
parental of ideas in that they've totally forgotten that, that it's not just about the candy. You know, it's like, you got your candy and you got to see some skeletons. Isn't that enough? And it's like, no, no, you've taken away all the independence, all the surprise, you know, you're knocking the door, nobody seems to be home, you're leaving. And then the door opens up. It's like, wait, I have, you know, and that's the giant Snickers. Oh my God, yeah. what could be more exciting? And then you've also labeled the idea of regular Halloween as if it's this thing that kids couldn't possibly handle when yes, they can. And you've given, you've taken away the one night of independence that we were still allowing them and turned it into this orgy of candy and supervision. And so, um, is Halloween going to be different this year? Yes, but it's been different in a very distressing way the last decade or so to me. Yeah. It's sort of, uh, you know, a play on what, what, um, that quote that you talked about, it's sort of play without the orgasm of fun because, you know, yeah. ultimate, ultimately, if, if, if it was just about the candy, all right, mom and dad can go and buy you a $10 yeah. bag of candy and say, okay, sit there in you your go. room and, really and eat put this it in alone. A, right, right, right. Put it in a, in a pillowcase. And, and, and now, now my heart goes out to um, Gary's son. The, the prospect of uh, <laughs> having that get candy from a trunk of an infinity is sounds uh Yeah, it's the worst like of all nightmare. possible. Yeah, it is. It's the, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so I actually, you know, this year there are, there are kids who are trick or treating. There are clever candy delivery systems that families are making. You know, giant tubes and weird Rube Goldberg things, and sometimes <laughs> a, you know, a, a little robotic uh, contraptions. Uh, I don't think this is going to be the world's greatest. Halloween this year, but um, maybe it will just remind people of what they're missing, and next year it'll go back to like going from house to house. That'd be great. Yeah. Right on. Uh, Lenore, uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Lou. Really appreciate it. This was I'm fun. Gonna... All right. Happy Halloween, if, if such a thing is to be. <laughs> Happy Halloween.